My guest today visited every single country in the world by the time he turned 35 years old. The number is 193. I think the last country he visited was Norway. And on top of that, you know, businessman, author, wrote a book called The uh, $100 Startup. He wrote many books. Uh, one of them sold 700,000 copies. Uh, he wrote a book called The Art of Nonconformity. New York Times bestseller, Wall Street Journal bestseller. With that being said, Chris Gillibo, thank you so much for being a guest on Valuetainment. Brad, man, thanks for having me. It's a big honor. I've been to 40 or 50 countries, and I feel like I've been all around, but 193. What inspired you to want to do that? Uh, you know, it's interesting because I, I was inspired when I had been to about 40 countries. Um, I, that's when I started thinking about it. I was like, you know, I always liked to travel. I was an aid worker for several years um, before I was an entrepreneur. I actually was kind of starting some of the entrepreneurship around the same time. And I've always been into like goal setting and making my list every day and all that. So. I made a list of all the countries, you know, I had been to. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of countries. That's pretty good. You know, I was like 25 or something. And so um, I set a goal to go to 100 countries. I was like, it'd be cool to go to 100 countries, you know, before I die. And then I started working towards that and realized, well, that's kind of easy because it's basically half the number of countries. And if you're just going to do half of something, then uh, you can pick and choose. You know, if you get stuck somewhere, if something is hard to get a visa for, then you just don't go there. And so I thought, let me make it a real challenge, you know. And so the real challenge was to do them all uh, by my 35th birthday. And so I finished, you know, when I was 35 uh, in Norway, as you, as you mentioned. So it was a great experience, man. It was great. Crazy. I was very fortunate to have been able to do it. How was North Korea? North Korea was fine. North Korea was, I went at a time in which um, things were a little bit quieter there. I didn't get to spend as much time as I would like. Uh, so hopefully I'll get a chance to go back. Uh, but I went to Kish Island. You know, I didn't actually get to go to the mainland uh, of Iran, but hopefully at some point. Very cool. What what was what was the most? And by the way, the entire time when he did this, uh, were you married? Were you single? Were you uh, uh, engaged? Were you? Uh... Yeah, I was. I was married. I okay. was married. Like uh, so, we were aid workers together, and then uh, I went back to the states. We both went back to the states. I did my grad school, and so I was kind of traveling. Um, you know, maybe a week or two every month, and then back home for the rest of the time. Now, how are you making the money while you're doing this? I mean, I saw some of the stuff you said. The first hundred countries yeah. cost you thirty thousand dollars. I didn't get what the last ninety-three cost. But how are you making money while you're doing this? Yeah, okay, a couple of points there. So, um, you know, first of all, when I was nineteen, that's when I started working for myself, and I, I realized pretty early on I wasn't good at working for other people. Um, I have this ADD kind of personality in which, like, I'll give hundred and ten percent. You know, if I believe in something, but if I don't believe in it, it's kind of hard. You know, I'll give twenty percent. So that's difficult in your average job, right? So uh, I started by selling things on eBay. This goes back 23 years, you know, like when all that stuff was new, online auctions, e-commerce. Um, I learned how to do some consulting. I learned how to do website design. I'm just learning like all these kind of random projects, but it was, you know, I was able to like support myself doing that for about 10 years. And for me, I was very motivated um, by freedom, you know, freedom, personal security, options for myself to be able to like set my own schedule, I wasn't really, like, I didn't know much about the startup world. I wasn't trying to, like, build a sustainable, scalable business. It was very much about freedom. You know, how can I do, um, you know, what's more of what's important to me? And then eventually, like, all this turned into a career. 
you know, like I started writing about the, the journey to every country and then started writing books and, you know, interviewing other entrepreneurs and such. But that really was, uh, was secondary. You know, at first it was just like, this is a cool thing. This is a quest. I like the challenge. There's nothing public about it. Um, and so then it turned into that uh, more public facing kind of thing. What was the dollar amount on the last 93? Do you remember? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I don't actually know the dollar amount for the second. Definitely would be more than 30,000, I would say, because, you know, things get more complex, you know, as you kind of like, uh, yeah, I used to, when I was starting out, like I could travel around the world, you know, or go to like one region and get like five countries, you know, that was great. But then, you know, for those last countries, I'm like flying all the way to like Azerbaijan or, you know, back or whatever. So it was definitely, it was definitely more, but by at that point, you know, like I have this career that's kind of sustaining it and, I was also like on the tail end of it, so willing to, to put some more in. But it wasn't like an extravagant amount. Like people imagine it's like millions of dollars. It de definitely it's not that, you know. And the whole thing about the 30000 I was like, 30000 bucks, you know, to go to 100 countries, like the value there is just tremendous, you know. It's tremendous. The life experiences that I'm going to have compared to like buying a car or whatever. Well, now cars cost more than $30,000, but back then, you know, that was like yeah. a nice car, you know. And I'm like... I don't need a car when I can have the, you know the world basically. So for me, it was a, you know 100% worth it. What what place was uh, uh, you left and you said I was not expecting this place to be this amazing, and what uh -huh. place was it you went in with such high expectation you came out saying <laughs> you know it was cool but nothing crazy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like how you asked that because people are always like, "What's your favorite country?" And I hate that question. You know, it's like a dumb question, right? But um, the way you set it up is good. I actually had a really good visit in, in, in Armenia. You know, like I traveled from like, where was I was going from Yerevan to, um, where was I going? Um, I forget. It was like, I did like a mini bus kind of trip, you know, through the country, Armenia, stayed there wow. for a few days. I uh, really enjoyed it. Actually, I, I got to learn a little bit more about Armenian culture, which I didn't know a lot about before I went. Um, so that was good. I'd love to go back. Um, as for what, you know, the other, the other part of it, I don't know. I mean, like the South Pacific, um, I would say like, you know, it's an interesting culture. I don't know. It's where I want to like be and live. I'm kind of a, more, a little bit more of a fast-paced kind of person, and you know things are a little bit more laid back there, so I respect that. Um, but for me, like that wasn't a place that I want to go spend a whole lot of time. Makes sense. Makes sense. So here's a couple things I'd want to uh, uh, focus on today. One, obviously, the the uh, mindset of uh, nonconformity. Your book, you call it the art of nonconformity, and the other one is, uh, you know, you talked about 23 years ago which your 78 baby, April 4th, were born the same year. You're six months older than me. So 23 okay. years ago, I was also doing some stuff on eBay. How old were we? We right. were 20 years old, right? So yeah, exactly. I, was doing, well. I was doing cards, baseball cards. I was selling a bunch of uh -huh. weird things. But uh, so, so I'd want to also target on how today, if, if you and I were 14 years old, 15 years old, yeah. how can a 14, 15, 16-year-old make money today uh, while living with their parents, while they're still going mm -hmm. to school, all that stuff. We can so, spend some time on that. Yeah. But prior, let's first start off with the art of nonconformity. So the concept, we hear about the whole thing, you know, the most miserable people in the world are those who make everybody else happy but not themselves, you know, sure. but we're so much about wanting to please everybody. How do you, uh -huh. how do you embrace this concept of nonconformity mm -hmm. where you're not trying to please everybody but some of the people in your life that maybe matter the most you do want to make sure you're making some of them proud. How, how's that mindset of nonconformity to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely want to go back to the, the reselling thing because we could, we could talk a good bit about that. Uh, but, I mean, for me, nonconformity, um, you know, it, first and foremost, it's a, it's a mindset. You know, the, the central message of, like, everything I've done for the past two years, uh, not two years, ten years, you know, is uh, you don't have to live your life the way others expect. 
Okay, so you know, people in your life, even good people in your life, let's say, they have all sorts of expectations, you know, for how they want you to live and the decisions they want you to make, and and um, you know, it's not at all like saying you have to like not be concerned with their feelings or you know not be a good friend or family member or partner but uh, ultimately you're actually going to be a better friend family member or partner um, if you are actually being kind of intentional about your own goals and, and what you want to to do with your life and how to be intentional and you know uh, i guess i i used to worry a lot about what people thought of me and there's this quote about i think it's like george bernard shaw about how you, you'd worry you know a lot less about what people think of you you know, once you realize how seldom they do, like most people actually don't really care. That's that right. Much. Um, but we're all trapped in this. We're all trapped in like, um, you know, thinking about our actions, our behavior, our decisions as, you know, what's somebody going to, to think. And I actually think it's very empowering to, to be able to say, you know, I, I, what is important to me? What is important to me? And to ask questions of yourself, because often it's not just other people that are holding you back. Like you're the one that's holding you back very often. Um, and so I just kind of learned to ask these why questions, why do I, I used for a long time, I had this like screensaver on my laptop and whenever I open the laptop, it, it says like, why are you doing this basically? So I kind of have to like look at that every time. Like, why am I doing this? You know, like we get in these patterns of, um, this is my routine. I'm just doing this by rote. And so I started questioning that more and more and that helped me to make better decisions and ended up developing this into, you know, a bit more of a philosophy and a community that people have kind of latched onto. Uh, but ultimately, it's about thinking for yourself, you know, choosing for yourself, and, and also trying to make the world uh, a better place. So I don't think they're they're exclusive. Yeah, I, I, I like the the way you put it. And by the way, would you say that's what uh, inspired the world domination, or was the world domination inspired art of nonconformity? Yeah, I started the art of nonconformity first, and then I wrote a, a manifesto called A Brief Guide to World Domination that was like just outlining some of my ideas. I liked a very provocative title, you know, like people are passionate around and stuff. And then from there, uh, I was like, let's bring everybody together. Let's do, like I, I was doing meetups in different cities when I was traveling. It was really interesting because the people who came out, they all had their own story. They're all like working on stuff, and they often felt uh, maybe misunderstood, you know, by some people around them. Uh, a lot of them did want to start a business, and they were in kind of traditional jobs. They were trying to figure out how to navigate that. So I was like, let's bring everybody together, and I called it the World Domination Summit. You know, so it kind of grew from there. So we've been doing that for, for nine years now. I love that title, World Domination <laughs> Summit. Now, the, the concern would be, is your last name a German last name? Uh, it, it is not. It okay, is not. I mean, that's I just one. the other thing is, like, you know, you start, you choose something like nine years ago, and you kind of live with it for a long time. Like maybe I wouldn't call it that necessarily now you know, for a variety of reasons, but uh, you know, that's okay. It is what it is. I love it. That's, I mean, I, I just have to tell you, I love the, I love the freaking title and uh, I don't know the number, but I, I saw somewhere around 10,000 people have come over the years and yeah. uh, you put some great events together, which is great, but let's go back. Let's go now back to the, uh, uh, you know, if, if you were 14 years old, right? It's a different world yeah. today, 14 than when you and I were 14. You know, some, I don't know what the number is. 14 was what? 29 years ago for us, right? When we were yeah. 14. That sounds like yeah. a long time. So when you and I were 14, I made money. I don't, I would buy 90, 99 cent hats and I would sell them for seven bucks. I'd buy cards mm -hmm. and I would flip them. I'd buy, you know, hats, shoes, you know, a bunch of weird things that I would sell, right? But I yep. wonder what we would do if we were 14 today in high school. So yep. I'll, I'll turn it to you. What, how? How would you make money today as a young teenager, young entrepreneur at 14 years old? 
So I think this is really interesting because, you know, no doubt so much has changed, as you said, in all those years. I can't believe it's been, you know, 29 years, as you said. So much has changed, you know, like the iPhone wasn't out then. Now we have all these different platforms, you know, we're much more connected than we were, et cetera, et cetera. New business models. However, you know, the way that you got started in business, the way that I got started, it's actually still quite relevant. Like reselling is still very accessible. Most of it hasn't changed that much. You know, like most of it in terms of like you're trying to find the 99 cent hat, you know, maybe it costs like five bucks now. You're trying to sell that for 30 bucks or whatever. And I mean, people can do that. There's all kinds of, and like there's so many platforms now with like Facebook Marketplace and OfferUp and you know, Gumtree and all kinds of others. Um, without a lot of capital at all, I mean, 50 bucks, even, even if you don't have any money, you can start with the stuff that you already have, like sell your own stuff and then use that 50 bucks to buy other stuff. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's a process and that may not be, in, you know, what you end up doing for your whole life, you know, like you're going to go on to other stuff, but by doing that, you're going to learn about marketing. You're going to learn about how to accept payments. You're going to learn about customer service. You're going to learn about copywriting. All this kind of all these kind of skills that will that will help. So I think that's always a great first start. I mean, the second thing would be, okay. So once you have a little bit of experience, you know, now you know it doesn't really matter if you're 14. Anyone can have you know a website that's actually like doing some kind of e-commerce thing. Anybody can offer a service you know online. Nobody cares if you're 14. Like it's not really relevant. It's it's like what is the product? What is the service? You know. So there, I feel like. You know, we could look at all, all sorts of different things, um, but it depends on what your goal is. If you're trying to just make some money and, and get into it really quickly, make more money than you would, you know, working, you know, at a restaurant or something, then you can do that today, I think. What were you, how were you making money at 14? Were you the guy that was always making money? Were you the young hustler or were you the guy with the good mm -hmm. grades? Well, I definitely wasn't the guy with the good grades. I dropped out of high school and I went to one year of high school. I dropped out. Um, I wasn't really selling stuff at 14 or 15. It was more like 18 or 19. That's when I started. Um, so, I mean, I did work at a restaurant when I was 14, washing dishes. And then my last job job was at FedEx um, in Memphis, Tennessee, when I was 19, like putting boxes on a truck. And it's like my college job. And then when I learned about eBay and those, I was like, all of a sudden, I'm making 15 to $20 an hour. You know, and back then, you know, for everybody who's much younger than us, like back then I was making $8 an hour at FedEx. And I was like, well, okay, you know, this is better. And also I had no idea what I was doing with eBay. Like if I learn, if I study, I can do much better. And, and not just the money. I think this is the key point. Like I was so attracted to the idea of building something and the idea of having freedom and nobody's going to tell me you know, what to do today and when to go to work. And the ironic thing is I actually worked a lot more, you know, like when I could choose how much, so, you know, you probably get that too. Like, it's like when nobody's telling you to go to work, I'm like, I'm actually there early. I'm staying late because I'm excited about so it. So weird. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, the dynamic is it's uh, best, best way to describe it is, you know, sometimes, at least for me, is uh, uh, when you're babysitting versus it's your own baby. You know, you're, you're mm, taking care right. of somebody else's baby. You're like, hey, let's all, it's all good. I like, I'll do my job. But if it's my own baby, man, I'll go on two hours of sleep. Uh, yeah. Right now, we got a 12-week, 16-week daughter. We got four kids. Oh, we got a 975, thank you, and a 14-week-old. So sleep is wow. a uh, very valuable <laughs> asset right now in the family. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. so you're doing some of those two hour. Uh, two oh, hour there's nights. no question about stuff. last night was a special night because she slept from 11 to five. And that hasn't happened for like, uh, okay. uh, I don't <laughs> think it's happened, period. So it was a special night for oh, us wow. last night. But but going back to uh, 
you know, the, the teenage, uh, 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 how to make money today as a teenager, you were saying you had a yeah. job when you were making your money. You didn't really start doing the reselling stuff till 18, 19. Uh, when you were doing the reselling, what were the products that you were reselling on eBay? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really specialize. It was, it was. I, I looked for what was selling. I looked, to, and then I looked at, to see like where could I get you know those items. So it was like coffee. It was Lego sets. It was video games. Um, some clothes, some clothing items. I think I did some sneakers. Those are hard because of sizes, you know. So yep. you gotta stock a whole bunch yep. of inventory, but. Um, and that coffee I got into just randomly because like I saw like all oh, there's other auction sellers selling this really expensive coffee, you know, like where does it come from? Oh, it comes from Jamaica. Well, where are they buying it from? Like there's gotta be a way to like reverse engineer this process, uh, which these days is actually easier than it was, you know, back then. But even then it wasn't that hard to like figure out you could place an order. You could order from somebody and then see what shows up and then like, okay, I'm going to call that manufacturer or that wholesaler. And, um, you know, you can also see what's selling and see like, oh, are there, is this selling consistently? Is this selling at a, a price that I can profit from? So I did everything from, you know, those items I mentioned. I did cigars for a while. I did cigars. Wow. You know, headphones, you know, I mean, any, I mean anything, you know, I wasn't trying to like have a specialty. For me, it was like, what's selling? How can I acquire the inventory? And again, it's just me. It's not like I'm building some warehouse or something, but I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled, you know, because here I am like 19, 20 and, you know, not making a huge amount of money, but I was making more money than I ever was, you know, certainly doing anything else. Um, so I thought it was really cool. It, it, the concept of $100 a, a startup, you know, reinvent the way you make a living, do what you love and create a new future. It's not a new book. It's a nine year book, but it's done very well. And uh, I remember when the book came out. I mean, it's uh, uh, yeah. it was a talk of town. Everybody was talking about this book. When it uh, first came out, not saying they're not. It's got 4,300 reviews, so it's a book that's done very, very well. But what is the premise behind a $100 startup to the audience that doesn't know? The premise is, um, you know, there's a whole model of entrepreneurship that you're probably familiar with from watching Shark Tank or Silicon Valley or anything like that. Um, that's great. There's also a whole other model of entrepreneurship that is based on no debt, you know, bootstrapping yourself not looking for investors, uh, focused on a passion that you have, a skill that you have, um, and trying to you know, build a business for yourself, right? So that business may or may not scale, it may or may not become a $100 million company, um, but you can certainly build it to a six-figure business, sometimes multiple six-figure, sometimes seven-figure, uh, so you can do more of what's important to you. And that model at the time was, was really not being talked about much and i think that's probably why the book did well like i went on this tour for my first book art of nonconformity i went to all 50 states i went to every province in canada i was talking with my readers like i'm hearing all these stories about people that nobody knew about you know and they weren't famous you know this is like before social media was really big and they were making a good living doing something that you know, like they never thought of themselves as entrepreneurs. Like I was actually very careful about the word entrepreneur. I didn't use it very much in that book because a lot of people find it, you know, hard to relate to, you know, they think entrepreneur is what I've seen on those TV shows yeah. or whatever. And so I, that whole model is like, you know, you can do something right now with the skills you have. What you need to learn is how to adapt those skills into the new economy because you already have a lot that you know. What you need to do is translate, you know, or transfer those skills. Yeah, so would you consider yourself today an entrepreneur or solopreneur? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, um, 
I don't really make too much of a distinction. I'm probably much more of a solopreneur still. I mean, I have a team, but it's a it's a small team. I I'm, I'm not a great manager. Like I don't want to have a lot of employees, so I purposely you know keep things pretty small or pretty lean at least. Um, but I'm also starting different projects and such. So I don't know. I guess I'm I'm an entrepreneur, I suppose. Yeah, like uh, your your dad and uh, you and my dad. You guys are born seven days. Uh, he's an April tenth baby. Okay, oh, and, nice. and and my dad. Let me tell you, I I've not met an April person I didn't get along with. But uh, uh, April guys, from my experience, lots of trust, lots of independence, uh, lots mm -hmm. of I'm gonna figure this out. Lots of you can't tell them you can't do something because that's yep, like yep. the kiss of death. God forbid you tell an April baby you can't do something. They're gonna spend their entire life trying to prove to you that they can do something. To the wiring is a different wiring. Do you think? Do you think like you know in um, when I interview certain people and I'm trying to get somebody in a position, this has been my experience. It, it, the, it, a person who plays better in a solo game, for example, a tennis player, you know, mm -hmm. a, a, a kid like my yeah. one of my sons just loves swimming or mm -hmm. tennis, something that's just he controls the success, right? It's his he yeah. controls the success. The other one is like, a, it's like look, I, I want to be on a team. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, mm. do you think this is more like a DNA, a wiring, the way you are where, look, I'm, I'm wired this way. I want to be a solopreneur. Mm. I don't like to manage people because I don't like to be managed. I kind of know what's good for me. Leave me alone. I don't need to be yeah. worth a few billion dollars. I kind of want to go do my own thing. You know, a book like yours, $100 startup or four-hour work week. Do you think there's like a wiring mm. where it's part of DNA versus the other guys like, I want to go build something with thousands of people? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it's DNA or, you know, socialization or early experiences, you know, that lead to that or some combination, most likely. But I do think that they, they you know, people tend to fall in one camp or another, you know, and it's like, a, you know, introvert or extrovert, like there's a spectrum of these things. It's not like you're like all the way one, all the way the other. So, I mean, I also like to work with people like for the event, uh, World Domination Summit, you know, we have a team that works on that. It's very collaborative. I enjoy that. So, I think you know, no matter which one you are, like you can learn some of the skills of the other side. But I do think most people are kind of one way or the other. And I think what you know, if you figure that out, that's going to help you, you know, and uh, you know, to play to your strengths and figure, okay, what is the way that I'm going to change the world? You know, that's somewhat somewhat unique. Because if I'm just trying to develop all my skills to the same level, then you know, nobody's going to care about that. I'm not really going to have an impact. That's right. You're like everybody else if you do that. So the mm -hmm. the, the last book that you have. Um, uh, 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 which is about finding your passion. I forgot the title of it. Mm -hmm. Not not side hustle. What's the last book? Not money tree. Uh, last book uh, is called the money tree. It's like finding the fortune in your own backyard. So that's. Um, oh, sorry, maybe you had another question about that. Not not money tree. The one with the red the uh, uh, red. Uh, born uh, born for this. Born for this. Yeah. That's so about uh, finding the work you were meant to do. Yeah. So so help me help me with the system of that. Okay. So. I'm, I'm ambitious. I'm 18 years old. I'm yep. 25 years Great. old. I'm like, dude, listen, Chris, I'm telling you, I feel like there's some fire in me. I want to do something. But awesome. do I go be like this guy, that guy, this guy? What do I do? It's so busy right now. It's so noisy right now. How do I figure myself out? What's that formula? Yep. I think the first thing you do if you're that, you know, 19, 25, let's say young 20s, you know, guy or woman, I think you, um, you, you know, you take some of the pressure off. Like, like just keep the ambition, ambition 100%, the fire, the fuel. But I think we put too much pressure on people to figure out their life purpose, you know, when they are 22, 23. And I think the way that you actually get to that is by doing a bunch of stuff, you know. I mean, if you know 100 percent, 
Like there are people who know like this is the thing I want to do in life and that's great. Go and do that. But I think those are the minority, like a very small minority. So I think Agreed. most of us, we figure out what our thing is by doing a bunch of different stuff, you know, and by being willing to experiment, by willing, being willing to start different projects and, and also to leave them behind, right? To be willing to like abandon something. Um, so I wrote a lot in that book, Born for This, about um, the power of giving up and the power of quitting because I think um, something, especially in Western society, like this belief about never quitting and like persistence is the highest, you know, the highest value, I think that's wrong, right? And most successful people have actually quit all kinds of things. You know, they have tried something and then they have walked away from it. They have not been, they have not, not been like unwilling to say, okay, you know, that was a mistake or maybe it wasn't a mistake. It was just like, that was what I was doing for now. And now I'm going to do something different. So I think the first thing you do is you just, you try different stuff. And then, you know, from there, there's like, there's some various assessments in the book and it's like a model of uh, joy, money, and flow, which I think are the three components you know, of, of kind of what makes us, you know, happy, what we find meaningful. So you want to find something that you actually enjoy doing and look forward to doing. And like, that's not everything, but that is an important part of it. Money, again, not everything, but pretty important. Like it needs to be sustainable. It needs to, you know, have value in, in this modern world. And flow is that, um, that aspect of work in which you're like, man, I'm really good at this thing. And like the hours just pass by and I don't even notice how much time went by. And, and maybe, um, I, I, this is actually really easy for me. Other people find it difficult, but for me, this is easy. You know, figuring out whatever that thing is and then trying to find a combination therein, you know, where it's like, I really enjoy this thing. It actually makes some money and I'm good at it. Like, we're always searching for it too, right? By the way, it's not like you get to it one day, you're like, oh, there I am, you know? I think it's always a, life, a lifelong journey. But if you use those three points as like, these are my anchors. And if I'm getting too far away from any one of them, then. You know, maybe that's okay for a time. Like if you're really in debt and you're like, man, I, I have to do whatever I can to make some money, then that's fine. You, you focus on that, even if you don't love it for a time. But in the long term, you're going to be the most successful if you're trying to do all three of them. I like that. Joy, money, flow. Mm -hmm. Joy, money, flow. Uh, and knowing the fact that the most successful people you know have probably could quit a lot of different things before they finally found mm -hmm. something. I, a yeah. quote I read 20 years ago, it said, sometimes on the way to a dream, you get lost and find a bigger one. Uh, yeah. Sometimes on the way to, you're like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. I'm like, no, I yeah. really want this. That's what I want. Uh -huh. and it's amazing yeah. how that works out because initially I thought mm -hmm. it was all about money because we mm -hmm. grew up without money. Then that money gets scored away. Then you're like, what am I right. doing next? And it led to right. something bigger than that. So the money, the money tree, a story about finding mm -hmm. the fortune in your own backyard. How do we found find the fortune in our backyard. Some people's backyard is a small backyard. So how do we how do we find that money in our backyard? Right, right, right. I mean, you know, it's meant to be kind of a metaphor of like, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> something that, you know, the skill that I have or, the, you know, the passion that I have or maybe it's a hobby and I think um, nobody would nobody would pay money for this thing, you know. But, you know, I had a story on the podcast of, uh, of a young guy like doing Fortnite coaching, basically, and making a lot of money. You know, he's making like $7,000 a month, you know, coaching people in Fortnite, you know. And uh, so in your own backyard, it's like you make a list of your skills, of your passions, and you try to figure out what's the alignment between these things and, you know, what people are paying for. What's the convergence point? So I kind of go into that. But that book is, is basically the... Um, the story version of $100 Startup. So $100 Startup is, is very instructional. It's a nonfiction book. Uh, Money Tree actually wanted to kind of, you know, write something that is a little bit different for people who might not read business books. So uh, I, I kind of created a whole, like, world for that. 
Well, you just gave me an idea here. So uh, since you have written uh, these books, you're going to be interviewed on these things. So you're going to be on a lot of different podcasts. And you wrote a book also on Side Hustle from Idea to Income in 27 Days. Maybe spit out uh, some of the most unique, strangest side hustles you've seen people do, like the $7,000 a month, you know, Fortnite uh, uh, consulting business the kids running. What are some of the most unique, random, strange side hustles you've seen? Unique, random. I mean, so I've been doing this podcast uh, every single day since uh, January 1, 2017. It's a daily podcast. It comes out seven days a week. So we're on episode 1,700-something, you know, and I'm telling all these different different stories. So... um, yeah, like, let's see, like I had somebody who was doing dating app coaching, like for your dating profile, you know, like help you actually have it mostly for men, right? So this is a woman who's helping men have a better, you know, t- dating profile. She was making a lot of money with that. Okay. There was, um, there's this couple that uh, was really into dachshunds, like the dog, you know, but specifically dachshunds, like not all dogs, just dachshunds. So they created this website, uh, this like e-commerce for dachshund lovers. If it, if it's not a million dollar you know, a year business right now is high six figures. Like, and it's all dachshunds, wow. you know, right? But specificity is the thing. Specificity, um, there, there's so much to that. I mean, so I've, I've had manufacturing stuff. I've had like lots of service stuff. Give me, I, I actually, I actually, I want to be able to get our audience. Let's try to get out of your brain, see if we can extract 10 of them. So far, I have three. We got to get seven more. Okay, so one, okay. we have dating app coaching, which by the way, I think so many people would actually want to help with that, right? Because it, oh, yeah, I guess it sure. would be the sales pitch will be what? I'm going to help you increase the chance of getting the girl that you want by making yeah. adjustments on your profile. Fantastic. So the couple yeah. dachshund uh, dogs, that's going to make a very niche, which what you talked about. Number three is the, uh, the Fortnite when you talk about the kids, $7,000 a month consulting how to play that game. Yeah. What else? Keep going. Tell us. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Um, there's a woman who, um, she's in Florida, actually, she created this, uh, product called a rinse which is like a shower, uh, like a shower handle attachment to like, you know, rinse off your shoes if you're on the beach or rinse off with dogs Sick. She's going to the beach with her big family. And like, there was just one shower in the house. So she created this. This is also multiple six figure now, very low startup costs. Um, let's see, what else do we got? I did this guy, this guy was, um, uh, was doing drop ship. So drop shipping, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, it's like you're, you're buying something and the company is sending that out, uh, you know, to other people. So you don't actually have to touch the inventory. So he was selling live crickets to reptile owners. So he's like actually selling <laughs> insects, but he doesn't have to touch Got them, right? He's not it. doing the inventory, you know, and so he's making like a few thousand dollars a month. It's not like a million dollar business. Yeah, but, you still. Know, right? Um, let's see what else we got. Um, I did a guy who wrote a blog about fish tanks. So not fish, just fish tanks. Again, the specificity, like you want to buy an aquarium, you want to buy a fish tank. So he monetizes this using affiliate marketing, right? So people are Googling all the time, you know, which aquarium should I buy? And they're Googling the names of specific models. And this is a very uncompetitive niche, right? Like, it's not like everybody's like, I'm going to get into the fish tank market. So he's able to like rank really high in, in SEO. Sick. So people come and read his articles. They click the links and, you know, so he actually set this up. This is a guy from the UK. He set it up as a, as a random project, like one weekend, you know, what's his uh, name? What, do, do you know the company's name? Is it, is it something uh, where we can I give him a sh- I mean, I can find it real quick. Just- um, but, um, it was actually the one, like, one of the second stories I ever had on the, on the podcast. Um, so I'll, I'll get it for you. But, um, he set this up in a very short period of time. If you just Google blogging for fish tanks, you're probably going to find that story. Um, and 
you know, set it up in a short period of time, never did anything else with it. And like years and years goes, goes by and he's still making like three to $500 a month from it. So three to $500 a month for something you don't do anything for. It's great. Cool, yeah. Right? No question about it. Yep. What else? So we got four more to go. We, we're gonna we're gonna put that brain of yours to work, and we're gonna come up no, with a okay. four more. Give me four more. It's a, it's a good challenge. Um, I did a I did a, a sneaker reseller story recently, so maybe he's like following in your footsteps, literally. Um, with that, that dude was doing really well. Um, he had figured out you know, they have all these apps now when like a new model drops, and so he had written some algorithm and then built up this customer relationship base. Um, I had like a, a librarian who was a DJ and she kind of created this like library DJ kind of model that she's doing in different cities. So she's like traveling for it. Um, what's, what's her name? So what, is she dressed like a librarian? Sorry, I, don't know, like, I, don't, I don't know everybody's name. No, 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 not name. No, but what is her niche? What is it like? By the way, I found the one story. British man okay. earned $700 a month writing fish tank reviews. We'll put the yeah. link below if people want to see that. But the librarian DJ, what's her niche? Does she dress like a librarian? Does she have a... She actually is a librarian. You know, she is a librarian. She's a little bit older. Um, so she's not like what you would expect to be a DJ. I think that's part of it. It's like this, you know, kind of surprise. But there's a whole, like, lit like literacy tie into it. Andrea Graham. It. Like Andrea Graham. Is that her name? Andrea Graham, librarian, yeah, yeah, most sure. recent... You know, Done a lot of stories. Great. Um, I did a textbook reseller. This is actually something. This is something people can do right now. Like a guy at college, you know, is like buying all these textbooks and like finding a way to like create this model where he's matching students with textbooks, and that basically pays his way through grad school. So what uh, what does he student. do? Say so unpack that again. Textbook. He. Uh... Yep. Uh, he's basically buying. It's a very simple model. He's buying and reselling textbooks, you know, and he does it both locally and online. Okay. Uh, speaking of paying your way through college, there was a woman who. Uh, she she bred rabbits, so she was like a rabbit breeder and actually made enough money from that to pay for for college. Um, also, very low startup cost there, you know. So all these kind of things, like it's not like everybody should go. It's not like I'm saying you know you need to go out and, and like drop shift live crickets. You need to become a library and DJ. It's really important to say like there's something you can do. Like whatever your thing is, no matter how yeah you you think like nobody else is interested in this thing, but you have something that you're interested in, you know and and there, and there is there. Here's, here's. I think I'm probably at nine, nine or ten now. Um, there's a woman uh, who did some videos, like an online course about baking bread, not just bread, but sourdough bread. Again, the niche, sourdough bread. Um, her name is Teresa. I forget her last name, um, but she made these videos for uh, Udemy, I think, and they totally blew up. And she got like a hundred thousand dollars to make these videos about sourdough bread, and then she made the sequel. And then another video, like all the courses are about sourdough bread. So the first one was filmed with her iPhone and her kitchen and bad lighting and no audio quality, like all that kind of stuff because, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like the knowledge. It's the knowledge. And then she gets better and improves things along the way. So if she can make all this money with sourdough bread, I know there's something for everybody. Yeah, Teresa Greenway. What a great story, you know. That's right. Bread baker. So just so you know, you're an overachiever because we came up with 11. Okay, yeah, okay. It's, all right. You're... Man, I felt the pressure there, but I, I like the challenge. <laughs> so let me, let me you know, read. You know what's, what's funny, Pat, is like, so I've been, you know, I wrote a book called 100 Side Hustles that has 100 of these stories. Yeah. And I've done 1,700 episodes. But whenever people are like, tell me one story, I'm like, I can't think of Too one, much you know? pressure to come up right now. But we did it. We did it. So we got, uh, so let's go through some of them. So one of them is a dating gap co coaching. Fantastic. Yeah. You got the yeah. docs and dogs uh, uh, couple specific. Mm -hmm. 
You got the yeah. Fortnite coaching. You got the shower handle, which uh, for the beach, yeah. you're going out there. You got the drop shipping live cr crickets to reptiles. You got the blog yeah. fish, tank, uh, uh, fish tank blogs. You got the sneaker uh, uh, reseller, great. Yeah. Librarian DJ, textbook reseller. Rabbit breeder, which, uh, yeah. you know, very interesting to... Yeah. I'd love to give that business card to somebody. What do you do for a living? I breed rabbits, right? Very interesting. And then you got the online baking sourdough bread, Teresa Greenway. So the reason why I wanted to do this exercise, because, you know, I think sometimes uh, I'm consulting a, a pizza company today. Okay. It was a pizza company and it was a, uh, uh, a health uh, uh, old folks homes company is what they do. So you got two different businesses. They're both on this call together for about 90 minutes and they're having a hard time. We read the book Contagious together, which is to come up with the next way to trigger a story, all this stuff. I said, uh, uh, I said, you know, I got to tell you, my wife and I, we put our kids through a swim course in L.A. simply because one video went viral. And this school, this school that we put the kids through it's called ISR. I'm trying to get the name for you to ch just to share it with you. It's called ISR. Anyway, it's Infant Swim Rescue. And I don't, I don't know if you remember when this video went viral. It got a few hundred million views on Facebook. They dropped the kid in the pool, and the kid flips on its own, right? I don't know if you've seen this video or not. So they, they grew a few thousand percent in a year. They couldn't even certify people quickly enough because of how swamped they were. Because parents right. looked at it and they said, I got to put my kids through that school. Every single one yeah. of our kids have gone through that, right? So the idea is mm. like with pizza. When you think about pizza, you think about happiness. Everything okay. you ever did in your life that you were happy with, you know, football, you eat pizza. Movie with friends, yeah. pizza. Hanging out with your peers, pizza. So pizza is such a product linked to happiness that you got to remind mm -hmm. the audience what we feel like when we're having pizza to get those yeah. two together. Yeah. But what, what you're doing is the audience now sits there mm. and says... You know, maybe I'm not a good dating app coach, but maybe yeah. instead of crickets, maybe I can sell something else. You know, there's so many something, ways to make yeah. money today in America. Do you think it's easier to make money today as a 14-year-old than when you and I were 14? I think something around the time when you and I were 14, that's when it changed. I think maybe 10 years before that, it was definitely harder. Like... So now it might be easier, you know, than a couple of decades ago. But I think we are definitely in the time in which so many platforms, so many networks, everybody's familiar with buying stuff online. I think, you know, when we were starting, like there was still a lot of resistance to that. Like, you know, is it going to be safe to use my credit card on, you know, online? Um, you know, before my grandma passed away, she got a PayPal account, and that's why I knew. That's why I knew, like, okay, we're in the new, you know, the, the new world. Um, I think it's never been easier. Let's say that, you know, it's never been easier. And what you're pointing out, like, it's a great story about um, the swim class. I mean, that's like pointing to this, like, you know, desperate, you know, desperate need, you know, for safety. Right. And um, I think all of these models, all these stories, you know, the reason why I, I'm like presenting all these stories all the time in the podcast and in the books is to try to like remove excuses. You know, it's, it's to try to like remove obstacles and say, well, look at this person. They, they weren't yeah. an entrepreneur, quote unquote. They didn't go to Harvard Business School. They didn't they didn't have all these advantages. You know, the sourdough bread woman, she was actually like um, pretty poor at the time and like living on benefits and like like a difficult situation and all that. So if you don't relate to me, if you don't relate to, you know, one person here, maybe there's somebody there that you can relate to. And all the all the different you know stories that we went through, like they're different models, you know. So like e-commerce, like the shower handle, that's just a practical like a practical need. Great, makes sense. If you got a beach house, you want one of those. Um, 
some of the other things are like community, the dachshunds, you know, like if you're at a dachshund, you love your dog, you love that breed, you want to buy the dachshund t-shirt and the dachshund everything. Um, so tribal identity, so safety, tribal identity, solving a problem, the dating coach app, it's also pretty, pretty uh, serious, you know, desperate problem. Like we want to be loved, we want to be, we want to feel uh, like people are attracted to us, we want to have more people liking or swiping on the app. Um, so I think as long as you're fo focused on needs, like focusing on needs, what people want, that's where you kind of find you know, your next thing. You, you just spit out a bunch of different things. Were, were those points yeah. in your book or did you just think of them right now, like tribal identity? Uh, you know, if, if I'm in the dachshund community, I, I, I relate to that. I own Shih Tzus. If you own Shih Tzus and we're about to get an American pit bull terrier, I'm probably going to be yeah. part of that. So that's tribal identity. But you said safe. Yeah. Tell me about the safe part. What was the safe part you explained? Well, a safety, I mean, that's like our, that's like our most, uh, it's our baseline need. You know, if we don't feel safe, then, you know, nothing, nothing comes after that. So, I mean, fire extinguishers, insurance, you know, smoke detectors, like all these things are sold basically to appeal to that primary, primary need. And then you said loved, which makes sense. But you said one other one, yeah. which was uh, we want to be attracted. We want to be liked. Is that kind of the yeah. same thing as loved where we want a lot of likes? I mean, we want to feel, we want people, we want to be liked, you know, we want to be liked. We also want what other people want. There's something else to that too. You know, if, if other pe people like a lot of things, that's what we want to, I mean, and then also the, just the solving a problem. Like, I, I think it's, don't overlook the whole thing about just solving a simple problem. The textbook reseller also, he's solving a problem. You know, it's not a sexy business, but it, you know, it, it paid his way through school. So that's pretty cool. That makes sense. Listen, this was fantastic. I wasn't expecting yeah. to get this much knowledge from you, man. I thought this was going to be yeah, a, awesome. you know what, this was great. We learned. And, uh, you know, the other day we're sitting here having a conversation. We're trying to do a TikTok dance video, right? So okay. my guy, Rob, yeah. who knows how to dance, he's doing dance and I'm, you know, <laughs> learning all these things from him. But in that moment, I sat there, I told Caroline, I said, you know what? If a person who knows how to do these TikTok dance videos, even a 15-year-old kid, there is adults mm -hmm. that will pay you $500 to go teach them how to oh, make sure. a video just to, you know, show to their audience that they got a few dance moves. You know, there's so many Absolutely. ways to make money today. But anyways, Absolutely. Uh, Chris uh, Gillibo, thank you so much for making the time for being a guest on Valuetainment. I really enjoyed Absolutely. it. We're going to put the links to all your books below. So if the audience mm -hmm. wants to get any one of them, we'll have the books below in the description. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Great conversation. This was fantastic. Take care. Bye-bye. Pretty interesting, right? We figured 10. We got one more bonus. Which one of them you thought was the most creative? Comment below if you liked the interview. Give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Two other videos if you like this one. One is a video I did, 14 Ways Teenage Entrepreneurs Can Make Money. I think that was like five years ago. If you've not seen it, click over here. And the other one is Common Mistakes Teenage Entrepreneurs Make. If you've not seen that, click over here. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.